Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. Uh, this afternoon, I'm joined by somebody who's joining me on my special series, which is Women in Property. Now, I'd like to take full credit for this series, but I can't because it was my wonderful wife's idea. She said, James, hey, listen, your podcast is very man-focused and man-heavy. It's about time you spoke to some women out there because us lot do some fantastic stuff. And I kind of listened for a moment and thought, you know what? Oh, maybe she's got a point. And I'm so glad I did because I have met some amazing women and spoke to some amazing women through the Women in Property podcast. And one thing I've realized is you ladies are doing some fantastic projects, but you kind of, you're the little quiet mouse. You don't say a lot about it. You just go on about your business. And do you know what the funny thing is? You're doing bigger things and better things than most men that I know in the circle. So this afternoon, I'm very pleased to be joined by Tina Collins from uh, from Fred and Jeans. Welcome, Tina, to the J2 Hub podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problems at all, Tina. So, just to start, first of all, we've got common grounds because we are both mentored by the wonderful Susanna Cole, who has also been on the J2 Hub podcast. Well, she's all right. Let's not big her up too much. I mean, she's only got like, like, only own, owns half of Bristol, but you know. <laughs> So, Tina, before I go in and find out a little bit about you, I want to ask you, how is mentoring and coaching for you? Because there's a big, big mixed view on it. Uh, and I think it will fit in nicely with this podcast if we get your view on it. Because am I right in saying you have, you've been with her for a few years now? Yeah, so uh, she's mentored me for coming up three years. Um, I think when... When I started in property, so I went full time in property about uh, two coming up coming up to two and a half years ago. Um, and but where I came from, I I would not consider myself an entrepreneur in any kind of way. I worked for the council for eighteen years. I did the same job, um, and I went on holiday in the same place. And you know, there was never any any there was never any prospects of me ever doing this. This is literally a bit of an accident that I'm kind of doing this on a full-time basis. And, and the only, at the only point, um, so much, I'm so much not an entrepreneur that the only point I realized I had a business is when my accountant said, you've got a business. And I was like, no, I have a hobby. It's just got a bit out of hand. And he was like, no, you have a business. And I was like, I haven't got time for it. I've got a full-time job. I've got a child. And I'm running a portfolio. And now you're telling me, oh, my God, I've got a bloody business. Like, this is not what I wanted. So then I realized that, okay, after I got over the fact that I'd accidentally got myself a business, then um, I thought, okay, I probably need a little bit of help with this. I don't really know what I'm doing. And my whole, how I ended up with a hobby that accidentally got out of hand was because I was watching, I kind of discovered the, uh, the University of YouTube. Uh, where you sort of sit every night just learning all you can and obviously Susanna was quite prevalent on that so um, I started to look for a mentor and in my world like mentors did not exist when you're a council worker and you just live in your little bubble like mentors are just a thing that I didn't even know happened with people but I really resonated with the stuff that I'd seen online about her and things like that and also been a trading standards officer previously um, I think I was quite switched on to, um, uh, I can smell bullshit a mile off. I've done it for 18 years. And within that industry, I could watch people on YouTube and go, oh, Jesus. I mean, you give a lot of good detail and I love it, but God, I could not spend 10 minutes with you. <laughs> and she, so it, I, I got a short list of probably about three or four. So I did my research on those. I went to a lot of hotel rooms in many different places. And anyone who said... Now, go to the back of the room. I'm like, you're out. I am not even going to the back of the room. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I went on a weekend with Susanna first just to see what it was like before I committed. 
and um I just liked the style of it and it was the right thing for me but it still felt unbelievably out of my comfort zone I was a council worker sat there with all these people who were doing property and they were business owners and they had what I would consider proper jobs like in the corporate world and I was so far from that however the first year with was me sort of sitting there going you can do what in property you can well, you can use other people's money. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Why would you possibly ever want to do that? And it was literally me sat there the first year, like a rabbit in, all I can describe is rabbit in Susanna headlights, going, Jesus, oh my God, oh my God. But then the second year, I kind of absorbed it a little bit more. And then that enabled me to actually go out and do it. And I think I learned far more from doing it. But to find a mentor, I would say, do your research. Like literally, you want to know what plate they eat their dinner off um, mm. and make an informed decision about it. It has to be someone you resonate with. Um, it has to be someone who um, you feel you can get quite a lot out of um, and take into consideration their money they're charging for that because there are mm-hmm. quite a lot of different monetary values in mentoring Now, for me, I've ended up having two mentors. I've got Susanna, who pushes me on the property, brings me a lot of detail on property, keeps me in line where I'm going. I also then went and found a local business mentor. Um, He helps me. He actually does it for for nothing. He runs a big company here. Because what I've realized is there's there's a huge business aspect to this. It's not just the property thing you need to learn about. And then I also have, actually, so I've kind of got three. I've also got somebody else who helps me keep my mind, pushing my mind forward, getting over those negative thoughts you have. Because I've had, I've come into this a bit later. So I've had a lot of years of uh, training myself and telling myself that I'm crap. So I've had to bring someone on board to basically, you know, keep going. No, you can do it. No, keep going, keep going. So I think decide what you need, do plenty of research um, and decide whether you want to have people around you whether you're happy to do it online, what are the things you actually need from it? And never, ever, ever go to the back of a room in a random hotel in Scarborough would be my top tip. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I thought you were going to give me like a couple of lines on it, but you really gave us a good outlook on mentoring there. And, you know, I think mentoring is one of those things, like you said, there's a lot of sharks out there. Um, and there's a lot of people that are really good. And I, I've got, I hold Susanna in some really high respects because like yourself, I never felt pressured in any way. And I, there was a lot of touch points. We spoke for a lot of times and I think it was after about 10 or 12 times when her team were just about to reject me off. And Susanna was like, nope, James will work with us. I really want to work with him. <laughs> and then I'm so, so glad that I did because she has really changed my thinking and the way it is. Um, so yeah, mentoring for me is a big plus. I love it. And I'm, I'm an active promoter of it. Although sometimes my co-host on the property duo podcast, Tej <laughs> doesn't yeah. really, doesn't really speak too highly of it. Um, but how, he's slowly changing his views. <laughs> You've got to find the right one. That's it. And Susanna might not be for everybody. It just so happens it's right for us. You've got to find the right one for you before you even spend any money. Hmm. So Tina, tell me about Tina Collins then. I should have asked that question first, but I don't like asking that one first because everybody asks that question. So I thought I'll ask something else. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself and then tell the listeners about your company, Fred and Jeans, and how the name came about because it's such an awesome name. Okay. So do you want me to start with me first and then tell you about Fred and Jeans? Yeah, please start with you. Okay. So um, I've already touched on it a little bit, but um, I... uh, I inherited a property when I was younger and I refurbed that and I let it out. Didn't do anything else with it. Uh, carried on with my life. Became a, a, a work for the council. Stayed there for 18 years. You know, like the same, the same job. I knew the job inside out. Became quite institutionalized um, at, at the council. And then about, um, it would be about 2015, when I started watching more YouTube and realizing, oh God, you can actually learn quite a lot from YouTube. Um, and just, and I love property anyway. I, you know, I, I had one in the background. Um, and then this coincided with actually my hairdresser convincing me to buy her hairdressers. So 
the, how I managed to buy that one, I got it at a really good price. And it was literally because she said to me, okay, if you're going to buy this, you need to put your offer in now because the landlord's girlfriend wants a bit of work done and he hasn't got the money to pay for it. So she wanted a, an operation around this mm. area <laughs> and uh, it didn't have the money to pay for it. So uh, she was like, so if you stick in an offer now, honestly, it'll take anything. So it's stuck enough. It had been on the market for two and a half years. I stuck in my offer. He accepted it. So that little bit of insider information suddenly got me going, oh, God, so I can mortgage that and I can buy that. And then, and this is all from just learning from YouTube. So I ended mm-hmm. up buying a commercial uh, and the freehold of the property and then randomly ended up buying the flat above it. So I ended up with this unit. Um, and then I, that sort of gave me a bit of the taste. So then I realized, oh, okay, so I need more money. So what I'll do now is I will go and mortgage my home up to the hilt and I'll go out and I'll buy more property. Okay, this is a hobby, remember. This is really not a business whatsoever. So I mortgaged my home up to the hilt, went out and brought a few more for the portfolio. And then I was like, oh, well, this is great because I enjoy doing it. I've still got my job. And then that was kind of it. And then it was back to what I said earlier. It was when I went to an accountant because I just needed a bit of help with my tax. And he said, so this business you've got? And I was like, no, I have a hobby. He said, no, you've got a business. (laughs) I was like, shit, how the hell have I gone and done this? So then it coincided with me learning about it online with Susanna, um, uh, me watching Susanna online. So I started mentoring, not really because I wanted it to become my business, just because I realized I needed to learn more about it. If it was a business, as the accountant told me, I need to learn more about it. So six months in, I uh, handed in my notice at work. So six months into my first year of mentoring. And that took me a while to get the balls to do that because that was tough after being there for so long. And I entered into this world of property and business. And I've spent pretty much the last two and a half years just shitting myself. (laughs) (laughs) Going, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) But do you know what? I have discovered more things about myself than I ever could have imagined. I've I've learned more about myself in the last two and a half years than I did in the last 20 years sat at the council. And, and I love what I do. Obviously, it stemmed from a hobby. So obviously, I love what I do. There are days when it's really super tough. And I'm now working outside my comfort zone. I didn't even know the comfort zone existed until two and a half years ago. Um, so it's not easy. And I think many people can portray this as being such an easy thing to do. It's really not an easy thing to do. I'm pretty convinced there are easier ways to make money if it's the money you're after. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so right for me. And I, I don't regret it for a minute, even though it, on the odd day, if you asked me that question, I probably really would regret it. But generally, I love what I do, you know, and I'm so fortunate to do what I love, which is just like the greatest place to be, really. Wow. Wow. Before you tell us about your company name, I've got a quick question to ask you in between yeah. there. So... You you gave up your job after nearly 20 years. Do you still remember what it felt like the first morning after you quit? You didn't have to go into work. What was that feeling like when you're waking up in bed and you're thinking, I don't have a job anymore? How did that feel? Well, I'd, I'd grown a portfolio, a small portfolio as a hobby. So I did have a little bit of something coming in. So that was mm-hmm. good. But for me, it was more like, what like what do I do now like I usually get up and then get my son to school and then go to work and then I'm like okay so get up and get my son to school and then you're like oh god where do I start now no one it's like when you have a child no one gives you an instruction manual when you start your own business no one goes now there's the instruction manual for your business just follow it from page one to page 100 and you're going to be successful and and I think it was a, a bit of dread obviously excitement because you know you're doing the right thing, because otherwise you just wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so excitement and dread. And then the next few weeks was literally just trying to figure out, well, how does this thing work? Um, and, and there was a few realizations where I suddenly realized, because um, I just hit it hard and went straight into it and felt like I just had to work all the time. And actually, then you start to get tired and you are not on it as much as you need to be. And actually, one of the biggest learning curves is, I make the money now. 
the biggest transition is when you're in a in your in a job you can sit there and feel a bit shit and actually you'll still get paid yeah. whereas when it's you, you are the money maker and so you need to start looking after yourself to enable you to go out there and make the money because the harder you push the better you'll do um so that was quite a big trend and it took me a while to learn that really but now I, I try and be very careful and listen to myself a little bit more but yeah it's not an easy place to be and and but it does get easier mm. would you say that your 20-year career in the council did it really was from what I'm hearing you talk about did it restrict the way you were thinking as a person and how limited you were on what you could achieve yeah so I think it's strange because when when I was asked to do this it does make you sit and do a bit of reflection which I think as um someone who runs a business it's not probably our strengths we don't tend to sit and reflect that often um and we haven't and got I time was, for that no I know I haven't got time for that. <laughs> so I think um uh, what I realized was I spent all those years um being led by my lack of ability so I would, because I'm dyslexic as well, it would kind of be like, oh, I can't do that because of this, or oh, I can't do that because of that. So you become very in, in, ingrained into your lack of ability in somewhere. And then I think the, the transition that kind of, of happened was that somewhere along the line, I thought, I think I've got some ability. So the transition is like from living in a lack of ability to um, being in a place where you kind of realize your capability, I suppose. Um, and, and that was a huge definition of something I still have to remember every day of, no, don't go back to that mindset where it's just like, oh, you know, I, I couldn't do that. I'm not capable of that. And it's very easy to slip back into that when you've done it for so many years. Um, so I think that's the place I lived in where I just couldn't do anything else. I, I couldn't work for anyone else. No one would employ me because of my dyslexia. My spelling is atrocious, um, so I couldn't even really do a job application because of my spelling being so terrible. Um, so, yeah, it kind of held me there for a very long time, but I could so easily still be sat at that desk. Like, literally, mm. so easily I could still be there, and that's why I'm so grateful I'm just not. How do you think life would be if you were still at that desk right now? Oh, well, do you know what? The thing is, when you're there, you're in this little happy bubble of this little happy world of I've got the same job, and yeah, job's a bit, the job's a bit shit and I moan about it and I moan about my boss like everybody else. But it's all right. And then I'll just retire and I'll go and work at B&Q till my days are out. Nothing wrong with B&Q, by the way. But I'll just go and work at B&Q. And so it would have been fine. But I wouldn't have experienced the stuff I've experienced that I have in life. And yeah, I'm, I'm just so fortunate I had that opportunity. Really fortunate. Cool. Excuse me. Wow. <coughs> <coughs> so yes, yeah, really fortunate to have the opportunity. Wow. No, it sounds it sounds really good. You sound like a person who doesn't really make any excuses for your lack of abilities in other areas. Like you said, your spelling might be bad. You know, you you're not very good with numbers, but I don't see any excuses coming out because some people would use that as an excuse to say, you know what, I'm not good with numbers, so I won't bother going into property because I'm going to have to do things about mortgages and return on this. I often have it when someone's saying to me, what's your return on investment? I'm like, what? As long as I know I'm making money, I don't really care what my return on investment is. You know, I've got my weird formula of working this out and it's generally a couple of lines. And if it's a plus in front of the, the amount coming in, I'm quite happy. And they're like, but no, you, you've got to look at it as your percentage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this. I'm like, oh man, my head's starting to hurt now. I'll just go back to my method. So I really love how um, you didn't restrict yourself um, having having issues that you knew could have stopped you. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and it's people around you that kind of say to you, it doesn't matter, Tina. I was like, what? It's like, you know, I needed someone else to go, you know what, it's all right. It doesn't matter that you can't spell because if someone's getting hung up on the fact that my emails might have the odd spelling mistake, then quite honestly, I shouldn't be working with them anyway because we won't get on because mm. my spelling, my, my emails are always going to have the odd spelling mistake in them. Mm. Um, but it's taken time for me to let that go of, of the whole other people's opinion, I suppose, is what it comes down to a lot of the time. Yeah, old keyboard warriors, eh? The spelling police, as I call them. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, but they're very useful. Like, and I love them and they're very useful to help me out. So yeah, you've just got to bring other people in for your weaknesses. That's all it is. That's it. I mean, there's so many things out there now where you don't even have to learn stuff where you can just bring a professional in to do things for you. Why yeah, wouldn't 100- you? Yeah, 100%. And that is the learn. You have to be brave and learn and embrace what you're crap at and go, it's all right, I'm crap at that. But I'll just get someone who's really good at it to help me with it because I know I'm good at other stuff and I will deliver on that stuff for other people. So, Mm. yeah, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. No, I hear you on that and I'm with you. So Fred and Jeans, tell us about that. How'd the name come about? So uh, Fred and Jeans were my grandparents. They, uh, so they had a really strong community ethos about them and they would always have a lot of people around their house and um, they, they, they really brought me up as well. <clears throat> um, and I love them both. Jean, very outspoken. I mean, I'm a bit of a chip off the old block when it comes to Jean. Uh, we're very alike. Um, and my granddad was um, a very quiet, very detailed man. Um, and I, I love them both dearly. So when I was looking for a business name, I just felt like I loved their ethos of, of how they, they wanted to bring people together in the community. And that's what I try and achieve from my tenants and the community I try and build within my rentals. And so it just felt like they just matched. And, and also, I'll tell you what, if there is ever an accountability partner to have, it's name your business after two people who are dead, who you love dearly. I tell you now, if you mess up on that business, it's got their names against them. You are buggered. <laughs> So it's like the best accountability you can ever get. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. I really love that. I mean, my, my, the podcast here is called J2. Both my sons, are their names begin with the letter J and I've got two boys. So it just felt J2. So every time I see that, it reminds me of them. And another company is called J and J. So it's both the two J's. So like you say, if you mess up, you're going to mess up pretty hard. And it's got yeah. a, the name actually has a meaning to it. Whereas you know, A and H homes or A and H letting yes. may not. And, and this, I'm not talking about any A and H lettings out there just before somebody tries to message me and say that, but you know, it's, um, it's a real nice, I, I really love the name. It really stands out. And I think in generations to come, it's going to be really nice for somebody who takes on after you or maybe your son or somebody after him who takes on to have this really nice story. And I can just see it now, a little black and white photo that shows them where this name started from. As somebody's looking at this in a hundred years' time and thinking, "Wow, that's where the name came from." <laughs> oh well, <clears throat> that's very kind of you to say that. Um, funny enough, some people either love it or they hate it. But either way, I figure well, they remember it, so it can't be that bad. That's the whole point of a name. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm, I'm glad. I am glad I did it. it. It does work very well, and it does remind me. And also, um, it keeps them alive a little bit in me as well, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. if fred and jean were here today tina what do you think <laughs> they would think of you quitting your council job and doing property oh my god <laughs> um in all honesty i don't think they'd be that impressed <laughs> i shouldn't admit that should i i think they would be like well well done tina but you did have a very good job you had a good sturdy job there tina um, so, so, yeah so I think they'd be I think they'd be quite impressed if they could just jump like two years on but I think me sitting with my gran and granddad going uh I'm gonna leave my job that I've had for 20 years they'd be like what Are you mad <laughs> um, yeah yeah I, yeah yeah I'm sure they'd be proud at this point <laughs> yeah wow so Tina tell me about your property strategy then what kind of things are you doing So what I do is, I think it's quite simple. It's kind of what I think a lot of people do. So I I buy properties where I can add some kind of value to them. I then do that work, whatever it might be. And generally it is a refurb, um, but, you know, it can vary. And then I either keep it or I sell it on. Um, And I am a bit of a prolific keeper. I think I am going to need some some assistance in the selling front going forward. But... um, yeah, so it, that's basically what I do. And I use my own money, obviously bank lending, and also a group of investors also. 
I have a small group of investors. I don't wish that to be too big. For me, it's about quality over quantity when it comes to my investors. Um, I, what I realized quite early on is at 2.30 in the morning where you are slogging your guts out on a refurb, you're making them money as well as yourself. And I couldn't do it without them, but also you're making them money. And what I realized, if I don't like the people I'm making money for, I resent that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I have to like my investors and feel like, oh, yeah, do you know what? I want to make them money too. It's, it's a nice thing. It's a nice trade-off. Um, so that's yeah. why I keep that pot quite small. And they're just people who I really get on well with. But I only do on a fixed percentage return. And the reason I do that is because I take other people's money extremely seriously. Um, and so for me, instead of when you joint venture, you're kind of betting on the future. Um, I can offer them a fixed percentage return where I know where it's coming from because I've already put that into my cash flow. So that's just how I prefer to work at the moment. So, yeah, and then I have a portfolio in Worcestershire. um, And that is single lets and also obviously commercial. And then I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to source and build a portfolio in Bristol. Um, again, focusing on commercial going forward and focusing now on more of the uh, change of use and the title splitting. So that, that's where I'm sort of moving towards. So I'm just uh, had one that I should complete on in the next couple of weeks, which will be where I turn it into two flats. And I like to call it like the, the Ranjan strategy, where you get your com- <laughs> big commercial on the bottom, flat at the top, commercial made smaller, resi at the back, resi on the top. So that's the, the first one I'm, I'm going to do over in Bristol doing that. Um, but I try and stick to singlets and my figures have to work on singlets because predominantly I figure that's the main thing in property you can do that is the closest to pure investment you will get um, because it doesn't actually need so much of your time to run a portfolio of singlets. Um, so I might choose to do other strategies to cash flow them for a temporary time, but that's turning them into a job. So ultimately, I want a portfolio of single lets that allows me to also have the time. So that's kind of where I'm heading. But um, yeah, at the moment, that's what I do. And that's what I focus on. The simple strategy of buy, add value, keep or sell. And, and that's how it works. Mm-hmm. I love what you said there about investors. Um, I think I wholly agree with you there where you said, you know, you've got to like your investors if you're slugging your guts out at two o'clock in the morning. Because I think too many times people forget that it's not just about the money. Just because somebody's come along and given you £100,000, that's I think that's the smallest part, if I'm honest with you, because they don't have any other skills apart from just giving you a chunk of money, I've found. Nine times out of ten. I mean, I, I'm quite open with the investors that I've used in the past, and I've said to them, I said, look, you know, I, we've got all the skills here. We've got the tradespeople. We're organising everything. We're sourcing the property. We're doing the work. We're adding the value. We're doing everything. You're just handing me this bag, well, not bag of cash, but this transfer in a bank account. Oh, we know how you work now. Bag of cash in a car park somewhere. (laughs) Tesco's carrier bag. (laughs) But, you know, you're you're so right that you're doing all that hard work. And even if it went wrong for you, they're still going to get their return because you have promised that. And if you're an honourable developer you would always give them their money back first and you would take last. So wholly yes. agree with you on that because a lot of people put the investor on this massive pedestal. And I always say to people, listen, you've got to give yourself massive value as well because without the things you do, um, there isn't really no need for an investor, you know, because you're really putting yourself out there. And for them, it's okay. It might be risky, but generally nine times out of 10, they might have a charge on the house. You know, there'll be some kind of security there. And you may even sign some kind of personal guarantees to say that you're going to pay it back. So it's always a kind of win-win situation for the investor where, you know, for you, you've got to do the bloody hard work and you've got to get it across the line and you've got to make sure they're paid back. Yeah, you have 100%. And, but I think it's, um, I look at myself as, as I offer a product. So um, I look at myself uh, in the fact that I go out and I know what my product is. I know what it looks like. I know what I can offer you. And I know the term I can offer that over. And if it's a product you like, I I don't invest because I don't have investors invest with me because for any skill sets, it's purely because they're investing with me to have a return. Um, And I totally respect that investor because 
realistically, they will have skill sets in other places that have probably made them the money and now they want it to work for them. And I'm the product that allows them their money to work for them so they don't have to. And they might have worked super hard in something else. So I'm always very grateful that someone has the trust and is happy to hand them hard-earned money over to me, however they've come by it. Their hard-earned money over to me that enables me to do the thing I love and to achieve on the thing I love. However, what you can't do, which is what I did in the early days, is you can't think of it as you're going to someone going, oh, can I borrow some money? You know, you're not borrowing. You, it's not a case of going, oh, um, um, do you think like this? I know a lot of people call them angel investors. I don't really like to use that terminology because to me, I offer a service and offer a good quality service, gives them a good return. And it's a, it's a business relationship of a good quality service. And that's what is super important to me, that the service they get is really, really high. And also what they give to me, they enable me to move on in property. So it's, as you say, it's a win-win both ways. But I think it's a, it's a mutual respect. And if someone starts talking to me, like my part I'm playing is very small, then quite honestly, they can go off and find somebody else because I, I, it's, it's the product I offer and the service I offer. And I, I'm either for you or I'm not. Like, it's as simple as that. There are many people I'm for. So, um, and, and that's what you've got to get. So when you're starting out and you're starting working with investors, don't go to them like, like you're going to borrow money off your mate for a car and go, oh, is there mm -hmm. any chance you could just, you know, it's like, no, this is the product I offer. Um, and, and, and you have to know your product before you approach investors. You need to know exactly what you're going to offer, exactly how it's going to work, exactly where the security comes from. And you go and sell that product to people. And that's why I do when I network, I mainly network in business environments. And I now sell that product to other business owners. And, and that's just what I do. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think it's a transition in your head you have to make um, that enables you to go out and, and raise finance. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. Because in the early days, everybody makes that mistake, don't they? Where it's always about, oh, can I borrow some money? And it's it's not, it isn't like that. You know, it's a, it's a proper transaction because somebody could have, you know, however much money sitting in a bank account. And it's, it's, it's eroding away daily. And this is what I say to people. I say, you know what? Yeah. All right, you've got, you got £200,000 sitting there. But if I've had that kind of money ever sitting in the account in the past, the first thing I want to do is get it into something. I don't want to sit it in the banks because number one, I don't trust them. And number two, with things going on at the moment, it's just like sooner or later, one of those big banks is going to fall. And before you know it, there's going to be a lot of people in bad ways. So I think when you go to them, you just hit the nail on the head where you say it is a product because you are giving them something in return, which is way better than you're going to get anything out there at the moment. You know? Yeah. And as an investor, I, I, how I learned it was, I became an investor first so I could feel what it was like to hand my money over. And you know mm -hmm. what, unless you're a professional investor, that is quite scary to hand your hard earned money over to somebody. So you have to respect that. And I learned that from being an investor first. And, but if you're going to be an investor, you have to do your research. It's just like finding a mentor. You've got to do your research. You've got to have a million questions for them. You've got to probe into everything about them, learn about them, and learn where, where their ethics lie on, on where you sit to get your money back. Because as you say, I've, I know there's a lot of people in the industry that really annoy me where they, they just think it's easy to raise money and it's just like, oh, yeah, well, we'll just take people's money and then we'll just do what we want with it. And, and that's totally wrong because it's disrespectful to the investor as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no some really some really good insight there tina i really appreciate that tina i want to ask you so be when you started off in property when you started doing renovations do you find when you're dealing with tradespeople that you're looked at differently for being a woman uh well to be honest i couldn't give a shit like <laughs> like honestly i don't care there are some people that turn up you either can whether I'm a woman or not, you either can work with me or you can't. And I run all my own projects because I love it. I love having a site. I love working with tradesmen. Honestly, I'm on site and I, I go from, I like to call them, I like to classify myself as slightly refined. However, I get on site, I'm like the biggest sweary Mary on site, effing and jeffing everywhere. And I just can't <laughs> help it. But I love being on site. And so traders will come in 
and they will either like my style and like how I work and whether it's a woman or a man thing is irrelevant to me it's either what they like or they don't and if I don't gel with them or I don't think they can I've had a few traders who have walked off site because they can't handle the pace and I'm like that's Mm -hmm. fine yeah no worries at all that's great we just move on to the next one it's not a problem um so yeah I'm, I'm not bothered if they do or they don't like me there's a million traders out there you just find the next one until you find one that actually does like your style and how you work and you get on really well. I always look after my tradesmen. I like to make sure that it's quite a good site. My my tip on site is I always like to make sure that they've got a good full belly. So there's always, you oh, know, like good. lots of like tea, coffee, crisps, fruit, lots of lots of food goes on just to make sure that that um, they're working with lots of energy. Um, and at the end of the day I want them to wake up and I want them to go, okay, I need to do two jobs today. Well, you know what? I'm going to get fed at Tina's and it's quite a good site to work on. So I'll go there. <laughs> and that is what you're aiming for. So the woman thing, I'm no, I've always been in quite male dominated industries. I, I'm, I'm super not bothered by it whatsoever. It, 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 I quite like it actually. And sometimes you have to use it to your advantage. I mean, you mm. know, <laughs> sometimes you go, oh, would you not? You know, I go from being this, right, come on, we've got to get this done. Come on. I need this. The carpet's going down in the morning. And then to go, oh, do you think you could just possibly? <laughs> you've got to use it i mean you've got to use it <laughs> see i was gonna say if i was a tradesman i wouldn't mess around with you <laughs> i wouldn't mess around with you you know because it's been weird i've spoken to quite a few people and people have said to me some of the ladies i've spoken to that in the early days yes trades people i can just picture it now a man walking in thinking okay yeah we've got ourselves a woman here does she really know what she's talking about? You know, and part of this part of this series is to see how women may have been treated by tradespeople. And di- different women have had given me different kind of answers to that, where, you know, sometimes they'll look down at you just because you're a woman and be like, uh, do you really know what you're talking about? And I think those days have long passed, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, I, I, I like learning off tradesmen as well. So, uh, because I think it makes me a better property investor when I can understand how building works and understand how pipe work runs and understand how you plaster. And so I'm always up for having a go as well. And sometimes I'll be like, can I have a go at that? Or because I want to learn. And as much as I'm never going to do my own plastering, I just need to want to know how it feels. So, um, yeah, I, I'm never, I, I never feel daunted by tradesmen whatsoever. Um, and, and you just got to, I, I get how in the early days, maybe you could be, but you then you have to remember, I was a trained standards officer for 18 years. So hmm. I, you know, I, I think I'm that's the difference by it at all. <laughs> wow. So you got to have a pretty thick skin to do that job anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So let me ask you something. Why do you do what you do? What's your, what's your why? What is your why in all of this? Uh, do you know what? That is a question that is, is, it's really difficult to answer because mm-hmm. as we've established, it was an accident that I ended up with a business. So to, to say that I sat down and I was like, right, this is my why and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I haven't quite established that yet and I'm mm-hmm. working on it, but it actually, it's a bit of a muscle in your head that goes, Tina, you can do whatever you want to do. What is that? And like, well, I don't bloody know. Like, Mm. I love what I do and I love the journey it takes me on. And so really, I want to see what I can do. I've come to this a little bit later than a lot of people, but I just want to see what can I achieve from where I've come from? And that's probably the first why. How far can I push myself out of my comfort zone to achieve something that I never, ever in a million years would have achieved? And secondly, and then it kind of, so there's never anything really materialistic in it, but there are things like, I would just like a house by the sea where I can see the sea out the window. Like that's probably my only materialistic thing that I'm heading towards, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm never going to retire from this. Like I retired the day I handed in my notice. So I work harder than I ever worked in my life before, but it's a different sort of work. So my plan is hopefully to eventually get my portfolio to a point where I can do projects that I just love doing and I can just have lots of fun with. Um, so, so 
there's not I'd love to answer that question with a big grand why and I'm gonna save all the children and I'm gonna like I'm, I'm just gonna make a huge difference in the world and if I do that's amazing um but but yeah I I, I tend to move away from situations rather than towards situations so uh mm. yeah so you'll have to come back to me on that one I, I will do I will do. I think we're gonna have to have a catch-up on that yeah. so would you say your your wife your wife for getting out of bed every morning is simply because you love it <laughs> well not every day because some days I'm like oh my god this is shit <laughs> but generally <laughs> Generally, it is because I just think I could be waking up and going to that office still. And I wouldn't have I've had the opportunities, met the people I've met, um, have the experiences I've had. I just wouldn't have had any of that. So, yeah, I suppose I suppose that there is a huge element of that. Yeah. Mm. Would you say to your when you left your council position or your position of employment would you say that as you were growing as a person and learning more about property would you say your circle of people that you hang around with has changed as well oh good question um (laughs) so yes so no I've still got the same friends as I had before um and for me I've never been impressed by materialistic things you know, I, I, I don't care how much money you've got. If you're a knob, you're a knob. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to spend time with you. That's, the, that's <laughs> as simple as it is. But what I have realized is that in order for me to progress and to open my mind up, I have to be around people who are also making it happen. And so I, I wouldn't say I've, I've sort of gone, oh, I'm dumping everybody. But you do suddenly start to realize, mm, I probably don't want to spend too much time with that person because I do feel they're sort of, a drain rather than a radiator. And I, I think mm-hmm. as it, it goes back to you needing to feel really positive. So you need to choose your drains and your radiators and just not necessarily eliminate your drains, but you just need to spend a little bit less time with them. And then you need to find the people who give you energy and, and also the people who are achieving, who, it, who you spend time with and you go, oh, wow, like you've just blown my mind a little bit. And mm, I, I think mm. you need that balance of everything. And I certainly didn't hang around or spend time with people who were achieving or people who were um, uh, who would push me and question me and go, no, you can do better than that. You can do more than that. And actually, it's those those new friendships that I have in my property circles where it's a much more open open friendship to what they will say to me as regards, no. You can do that. No, get the bloody offer in. You know, come on. Yeah. And, and you need those people around you as well. So I would say it's adding rather than taking, but just assessing what you have already. Well, really good answer that. Thanks. You got out of that one quite well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tina, I want to ask you if there's a you know what I normally phrase this and say if there's a if there's a young woman out there thinking about getting into property she's feeling quite nervous you know about it thinking I've got to deal with tradespeople, I've got to deal with this person I'm quite nervous it's quite a man heavy dominated community what would your advice be to someone like that so actually my first bit of advice would be question yourself why are you telling yourself those things like what is it in your history or what is it in your past or what is it you tell yourself every day that makes you believe that because it's irrelevant how people treat whether you're a man or you're a woman or or, or anything it doesn't matter how people treat you it's about what you tell yourself and the mm-hmm. minute you start telling yourself something different it actually it becomes like uh, you know like water off ducks feathers and that's kind of where you want to aim to be and, and the knowledge that there are loads of people who couldn't care less that you're a woman. Like, honestly, there are just loads of people. And, it, and you are the one that's letting that hold you back, the fact you're a woman. Like, why are you even doing that? So I would say question that first, get to the bottom of that to go, well, actually, no. I, why would I let someone else's opinion of the fact I'm a woman stop me from achieving my dreams or doing some amazing things in my life? And if you want that to happen, then it's your own bloody fault for letting it happen at the end of the day. You've got to push hard. You've got to realize that you're very capable. Find your capabilities. Push really hard on those. Don't worry too much about the stuff you're rubbish at. 
it's cool we're all rubbish at something and just don't let people hold your dream back who no matter who you are or the person holding that dream back um you you need to push through that and it is a push through and it is hard but it's totally doable if i can sit here after at the age of 42 and be doing what i'm doing seriously anybody can do it so there's just no excuses you've just got to listen to your excuses and try and eradicate them wow that's a powerful answer that i'm impressed (laughs) (laughs) so tina it brings me towards the end of the podcast and i want to ask you a couple of questions now which uh, seem to throw a few people from time to time okay if you could go back to when you were, say, 18, what's three bits of advice you would give yourself? Oh, Mm. probably, I think I've already said it a little bit, but probably don't be um, distracted by what holds you back right now. So it's very, very easy to get in that situation where you're, you feel um, you're, you have all these lack of abilities. It's all about lack of everything. And actually, really concentrate on your capabilities. And don't let the lack hold you back. It's all about what you can do, what is out there, not what isn't and what you can't. Would be the probably... How many pieces have I got to give myself? Three. you got oh, two more. Geez. Okay, so that would be my first bit of advice. Um, my second bit of advice would probably be to um, get some help in where your stories come from. Because I am quite creative and I'm quite a big story maker. And I'm very much like, oh, if this happens, it means that happens or they think that. And I would, be, I would, I would say to myself very early on, start thinking, well, actually, how can you take some control over that and actually... Realize that everyone's really different. Not everyone thinks like you, Tina. We're all really different. So don't presume that it means that because they do that. So that would be my other bit of advice. And my next one would be, don't bloody work for the council for so long. Get out there sooner. (laughs) My last thing. We're going to see a massive resignation list just going into local authorities after this podcast (laughs) goes out. eh? (laughs) It was Tina. She told me to quit my job. (laughs) So, Tina, just lastly, this one really throws people. What's one vice or naughty pleasure that you just cannot live without, something that you just have to do? (laughs) Um, Probably. So, coffee is like, that, but that's not naughty. I think that's a, that's a stable for anyone in business. It's like a mm-hmm. given, isn't it? Um, probably, do you know what? This sounds really bad, but sometimes I do a lot of giving myself a pep talk. And I think if anyone caught me, and I don't know if, and am I now going to admit something that people go, oh my God, she's a bit insane. But sometimes I have to stand in front of the mirror and go, oh my God, Tina, come on, come on now. So I, that's, and that, I've not really admitted that to anyone else before. So hopefully that's like, not, everyone's going to, oh my God, she's, she even talks to herself. Um, but yeah, that would be the thing. It's really that, that like, oh God, oh no, come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. So probably that would be, I do, I'm so boring. I don't have any, I don't have any pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. And the other thing is I can't drink without a bit of Gaviscon nowadays. <laughs> so there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So there we go. Well, Tina, that brings me towards the end of the podcast. I'm so glad we had this conversation this afternoon. It's been absolutely fantastic. And um and you know, like you said earlier, you were you said something really nice that you were so happy that I spoke to people like everyday women in property that are doing stuff rather than just speaking to some of the top 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 ladies out there that are doing some big things and i think this is just a prime example of that that there are people there might just be that lady who lives down your street who's doing property you know she might be doing it in a big way there might be somebody you meet in the gym who does property you know i think property investing now and property developing isn't what it used to be 20 30 years ago it's accessible to so many people and i think your story is just a prime example of that 
Thank you very much. And as I said before, thank you for just giving people the opportunity to say what they do and have experience to do it. I've never done a podcast before. And, and just thank you for giving me the opportunity to actually have a go at one. So, so hopefully no, it's you... successful for you. But um, yeah, I, you know, thank you very much. You've been fantastic, Tina, you know, I mean, and the thing is with my podcast, there's never, it's, it started off as something that I've always wanted to do. I wanted to start a podcast and I'm so glad I did because I realised I'm one of those people that just likes to have a chat and <laughs> yeah, there's been times, there's been, there's been times in my calendar when I look at my calendar over the week and I think, oh, I really should be doing that. And I'm like, ah, no, I'm booking a podcast. <laughs> oh, I really should be doing that. It's like, no, nah, I'm booking a podcast. And there's certain things that should really take priority. And I look at it and I think, wow, James, your podcast diary is really taking priority over everything else at the moment because it's something I love doing. <laughs> yeah, well, you should do what you love. Keep doing it. You're really good at what you do. Oh, thank you. So, Tina, if anybody wants to connect with you, where's the best place to reach you? So, uh, my website is where you can find out. Um, you can have a look at some of the photos of my last two projects that are there on there. You can find out about how I work with investors, and you can find out a little bit more about the Fred and Jean story on there. Um, so that's uh, www.fredandjeans.com. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as Fred and Jeans. That's probably where you can see the insights into my property journey. And some days it's great, sometimes it's not so great, but I put it all out there. Uh, so that's my Instagram, which is Fred and Jeans. You can find me on LinkedIn and you can search me under Fred and Jeans or Tina Collins, and that's T Y N A Collins. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm also on Facebook as Fred and Jeans. So, uh, yeah, come and say hello in any of those places. Um, and yeah, it'd be lovely to make some connections. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much again, Tina, for joining me on the J2 Hub podcast this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, Feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.